Welcome to Today's Entrepreneur, a program about the entrepreneurial spirit that drives Quebec business, presented by FL Montreal. My name is Dan Delmar, along with my co-host, Mike Newton, as always. Hey, Mike. Hey, Dan. How are you? Good. How are you? Good. Thanks. Today, we're going to talk a bit about the paradigm shift and getting back to work and that whole process. That's just a couple minutes away. But first, let's just take a moment to talk about uh, how interesting our entrepreneur is today. Sarah Lambert of Aura Medical, another young entrepreneur that's incubated in the Centec system here in Montreal. So it's a bit of a public-private partnership uh, backed by research institutes. And uh, this is basically, how could we describe it? It's sort of like the, the walker of the future. It's a, it's a smart aid for physical rehabilitation. And it's a connected device. You get all the AI data points um, that you would in a normal AI medical device. And it also has along the walker these cushion supports that sort of help your muscles along. It's really a cool product. Yeah. I mean, the, the goal ultimately is, is to, is not to replace a phys- physical therapist, but to actually be an, an add-on or an addition to it. And I think the, the, the component of this that I find fascinating is the ability to have remote capacity as we deal in a world now where remote medicine has become, you know, during, uh, during COVID has become just a massive, massive part of our, of all our group plans and, and everything else that we're dealing with from an insurance perspective, this fits really, really nicely. And, you know, as we've said before, you know, right place at the right time for an entrepreneur it doesn't matter sometimes how good your product is so long as you've given you, you find that timing for it and i think this is a great opportunity as well as i think the timing is has been has been really really good yeah very interesting so aura medical um i'm sure you'll be interested in sarah she is a really interesting young entrepreneur so that's on the way uh, but first as usual uh, news and notes but this time mike you want to talk a little bit about just the general theme of the return to the office and the change of paradigm as you as you put it so you spoke to your employees in the past couple of weeks about this. Um, what is the latest, you know, in terms of just the, the the mood, I guess, in Montreal workplaces? Obviously, it's going to be a slow return, but we got to get back to the office to some degree. Yeah. So thanks, Dan. I, I really want to take this, I think, in a, in a different direction than the return to work or a discussion of, uh, of, of COVID and the pandemic. I really want to th- discuss the, the change of mindset here that we are we are experiencing and we will need to experience in order to, to move forward. I mean, a paradigm uh, you know, is basically it's an example or a pattern of something, right? It's, it's the model, it's the routine, and it's things that we have done some cases routinely and other cases, uh, you know, uh, basically by rote. Um, you know, and the paradigm shift basically refers to a major change in a worldview or a concept. We have been working in the office space, and I'm going to talk a little more about the office building and office space because that, that seems to be a big concern uh, at, at this point for a lot of people is, you know, we've been doing this the same way for a long time. Right. I mean, uh, yes, a lot of firms dabbled in flex time and a lot of firm dabbled in some remote work. But, you know, if you go back to the beginning of pandemic, we were thrown into a forced environment. So I'm not going to say and, 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 and I will I would argue, you know, rather vehemently that the paradigm shift is not covid. The paradigm shift is not even the change that occurred when we went home, because that was as a result of some kind of forced factor that was outside of our, our, our doing. To me, the paradigm shift really challenges the status quo, and it's you know it ultimately takes place in a, in a scientific framework. So, would you say that you know being forced to go home because of a pandemic is a science? No, definitely not. You know what we do to come out of that, and how we are going to change the workspace going forward is well on the use of the technology. 
technology will ultimately be that 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 paradigm shift. You know, and and this this term was was brought about in a, in a I'm going to sound really nerdy here for a second, but it was brought about by uh, a scientist back in 1962 in, in the book called The Structure of Scientific Revolutions, and it, it was that's when the first use of the paradigm shift actually found its way into the in, into our vernacular and has now become a mainstay in in a lot of things you know when you look at significant changes in the past on on uh, paradigm shift you're talking uh, you're talking the assembly line okay you're talking about you know assembling things one person making you know a whole piece then you you do, you change technology you change mindset to create an assembly line okay it, it revolutionized uh, the auto industry you can go back and say another major paradigm shift was t- was the use of technology and the internet as how we continue to evolve and change and do things so Again, I, I would argue that COVID itself is not the paradigm shift, but rather the changes that will come out of it. And we all know that any controversial research is, is perceived as you know, misguided or a dead end and skeptics and, 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 and subject to inquiry. But I think what we're really starting to see here is a change in the way we do work. And, and as you know, if I bring it back to the question you ask, and how does this affect getting back to work? The reality is we are not going to see a similar workspace that we did before the pandemic, if at all, for a long time. Now, does that mean we no longer need office space? Definitely not. Okay. What it may mean is we may be de-densifying uh, the number of people in office. It may mean that part of the office or team comes in Monday, Tuesday, another group comes in Wednesday, Thursday, but people are still going to need their space. They're still going to be in that exercise. So, you know, where does that, where does that take us going forward? I, it's, you know, how and where we work is being reevaluated. The technology uses of how we're doing it. The HR implications, as Alito will talk to a little bit later in terms of, you know, the the great resignation. Is it really a great resignation or is it really a great reevaluation or a great repurposing of a lot of technology and, and those environments? So, you know, as much as I think uh, we all know that the chicken littles, the sky is falling cells. Uh, the reality here is I think we're actually on the cusp of something very interesting and very different in the way we're going to look at doing things going forward and that we should be uh, open-minded and not uh, look at all of this and go, oh, you know, poo-poo, we need to be where we were in 2019 or to the contrary, say, hey, wait a sec, you know, we're all going to work from home. We all know that everything is a pendulum, right? And it's going to go from Everybody must be in the office to nobody's going to be in the office to where do we find that happy medium going forward? And, you know, for the longest time, I have hated the term work-life balance because it's been one of those millennial discussions that to me was always an excuse to not work. Uh, I think we're going to start seeing changes like work balance, uh, work, work location balance and a whole bunch of other things as we try to accommodate some of the things that Alita will get to later in terms of making sure we're keeping the right employees, not just keeping employees, uh, but if you're going to throw money at people, if you're going to try and retain talent, retain the right people for the right reasons in the right environment. Okay. That's very interesting, Mike. And uh, I, I like your, your, your thinking and it's, um, it's going to be tricky because I think certainly when I, in my political commentary, if, if I'm asked, you know, I say, well, what's government supposed to do? And my answer is be more nimble, I think is the message. You know, it's, it's sometimes it's more severe, sometimes it's less severe, but being more nimble and being able to adapt to the circumstances is, is I think something that as Canadians, we have to be uh, a little bit more forward thinking on. 
Yeah, and I, and I think the key right now is as we continue to move forward is this philosophical change away from a lot of business who have gone from a zero tolerance component to this managing risk going forward. COVID is not going to go away overnight. We are going to be living with COVID for some time to come in whatever capacity that may look like. Businesses are really good at managing risk. That's what we thrive on. So now in order for businesses to go forward, take back that ability to control the environment and now manage risk accordingly, instead of trying to say, I'm going to either protect everybody or I'm going to shut down completely. And you know, this, this is where I think government needs to start looking is how are we all going to live in this environment and what is this going to look like and stop uh, you know, so stop the the environment. I mean, we're sending the kids back. We're sending people out into uh, into the schools, into the hospitals. These people are faced with COVID on a regular basis. They're surviving. They're doing things. How do we now get the rest of us up and running and away from that? Oh my God, to some form of hey, let's learn to manage this as as, as we would any other risk in our business. Okay, yeah, it'll require some adjustments for us all. So we'll get we'll get there together, hopefully. Uh, Mike, thanks uh, very much. Great, uh, great commentary. And coming up next, let's get to our profile. Uh, Sarah Lambert from a very innovative company. It's called Aura Medical and a big tech medical company here in Montreal. She is the founder and it's a business that looks pretty interesting as we talk about an aging population and keeping connected. Sarah Lambert, welcome to CJAD. Thanks. Maybe let's, uh, let's hit the ground running. Tell us a little bit about uh, the product. Tell us a little bit about the technology and a little bit of what, what drove you to, to move in this direction. Yeah, sure. So uh, as I said, my name is Sarah Lambert. I'm the co-founder and CEO of Aura Medical. Uh, I first uh, did a bachelor degree in physical therapy at Laval University in Quebec. And I was really a passionate but by rehabilitation tools and my experience in the field made me realize that there was a, a huge lack of access of rehabilitation uh, just because people are really busy and they have such a difficulty to do their exercises at home. Uh, so the best way would be like to be always with the physical therapist. However, this is not uh, possible right now. So I really wanted to implement a new rehabilitation method. Uh, so this way people can really do uh, rehabilitation from home. Uh, so what we design is a smart gate trainer that really uh, adapts in real time as the physical therapist was there. So it really mimics uh, the session and it, it is also connected uh, with uh, the physical therapist and all the healthcare professionals. So this way they can better track the progress from a distance. Part of the problem with physiotherapy is it's not really considered frontline, right? So it doesn't necessarily get the medical funding. It doesn't necessarily get the, uh, the proper support from, uh, from the government agencies. So, you know, there's no doubt that trying to create an environment for uh, physical rehab is, uh, it's got to be a little bit challenging. I mean, uh, you, you know, you come up with a good idea. How do you get that into motion? How, what, what drove the process and, and the technology and finding a use for it? Uh, yeah, um, even if it's not like the first line, as you said, I think it's going to be. So there's a, a movement that uh, physiotherapists might be uh, at the, the emergency in the hospital as well. So it is something coming. Uh, physiotherapy really has something uh, powerful and we can um, do like the first trials if, if it's uh, a really, this is, if it's a disease that really need the uh, 
a huge um, an emergency that we can we can really track it and uh, so um, i think it will be something going in the hospital soon um, and for for that i think that remote rehabilitation is something that will can be big uh, just because we know that people want to get better and all the people uh, with walking disabilities that are uh, that don't have the power to walk it is always something really relevant for them to to practice and to gain the 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 possibility to be able to walk again and to have the uh, to have an autonomy about uh, what inspired you, you know, I think back to years ago, there used to be infomercials about all these gadgets to help people who are falling. You know, I fall and I can't get up is the famous line from the infomercial. Do you remember that when you were younger? Is that what what helped inspire you? And where did the, the ideas come from? Yeah, it was really uh, in, when I was doing a, a physical therapy internship, I was working with children and I really saw that there was a huge lack of access for them. So uh, what I saw is that what I had one of my patients uh, that used uh, his own walker and we needed to, to really take his hand and to uh, tape it with the, with the gate trainer and it was hurting her. So uh, I was really uh, um, aware of that and I was like, okay, there's something uh, inappropriate right now with uh, all the rehabilitation tools that people use. Uh, it is it is really there that I saw the idea uh, to create new uh, tools that are more convenient for the patient. So is uh, your, your target age, are you looking at, you mentioned children, this to me looks like it's applicable across the board to any age, is that correct? Yeah, eventually we would like to address any age, uh, but we begin with children for our proof of concept. Uh, so we know that children are uh, have a, a better chance to to gain the power to walk just because they're uh, they are still in development, so they are able to maybe progress uh, in a, in a greater uh, time. So would this be used as somebody recovering from an injury or somebody who was born with uh, a deficiency or, or is this anything? I mean, what, where, where, do you, where do you look at, at, at either drawing the line or saying, hey, our product works better here? Yeah, we want to address both. So we really want to address all the people that uh, learn to walk or uh, just had an accident and need to learn back to walk. Uh, so we, we eventually we will address both. Uh, we just begin with the children because we know that if they, they learn to walk, then they can learn faster and we can really, um, th these people will use a wheelchair eventually, but we can delay the moment that, we that they can use the wheelchair if they use our product on an early age. So does this go into, I mean, there's a physical aspect to it. Is there a cognitive aspect to it? Maybe define a little bit how the technology works and how it helps in the rehab. Yeah, so there's a partial weight support technology that really mimics the, the hands uh, of, the of the physiotherapist. So what I was doing when I was doing a therapy is I was uh, taking people by the hips and I was taking a vertical force. So this way, there they was some uh, force uh, taken from their legs. So this way, 
when it gets better, then uh, I, I can really adjust it, the, the, the support given to their legs. And it is exactly what we want to reproduce right now. So there's really uh, the partial weight support that adapts in real time uh, according to the people progress because there are some sensors on the gait trainer that can really detect the muscle fatigue. So this way we can really uh, tra uh, adapt the, the support according to the progress. So does is the physical therapist still needed? Uh, is this done in front of a physical therapist? Is this done remotely on their own? Is this done, you know, virtually? I mean, I guess there's, I can I can see a whole bunch of different possible uses here, and 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 I'm sure you've got them all nailed down. So. Yeah, uh, so the first thing that we want to do is to be used with physical therapy uh, during session, uh, but eventually we want to be used remotely as well. Uh, so our goal is really like to improve um, the current uh, therapy session just because the physical therapist will have a nice tool to really uh, use during therapy. But eventually our AI model will really be able to give recommendations when the physio is not there. My, my goal is really not to replace the, the therapy sessions. It's really to, to make it more often. So this way the people can, can practice outside of therapy as if they were with the, with the therapist. Yeah, I think I think a large part of the problem, certainly in physical therapy, is access to physical therapy itself, right? Yeah. And whether that is either enough time or a massive backlog before somebody even gets to see a physical therapist. So what you're proposing here is not only much quicker access, but more frequent access, correct? Exactly. So with our application, people will be able to still be connected with their therapist or other therapists. Uh, it will just really, uh, uh, they will have a better access to uh, a healthcare professional. Very interesting product. It really, um, I mean, it's the walker of the future, I suppose, Mike, is one way to describe it. It, it uses AI and connected devices to, uh, to support people and to basically, Sarah, is it fair to say sort of mimic the 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 hand and the human touch of of a physical therapist yeah it is exactly our goal so by being a remote uh, device then we can really track the progress from a distance and it is exactly our goal would, would be to to do therapy session as if the therapist was there so it's the walker of the future but you know using this ai enabled sort of padding on the side of it what other parts of the body are you going to tackle next? I mean, is there going to be an upper body version? Uh, you know, are we looking at, you know, other physical therapy aids to come? The, the future is really about how the sensors that are connected to our device. So we do have uh, five sensors connected and eventually we can just take those sensors and adapt it on any other device. Uh, so it is really where we're planning to go. It's like some, our own uh, walker, which name is the, the OMI, is just a first, uh, a first device, but eventually we can adapt with our own sensors on any other device. Uh, so this way, like all the, all the therapists will be able to track how their patients are going from a distance. So you could, you could find a way for a separated shoulder, you know, playing hockey, I get a separated shoulder. You could find a way at some point in the future where that would be applicable there as it would be to helping walk or anything else. That could be really cool. Like uh, we do have sensors that can just uh, take example, the orientation of the hips. Uh, so we can just 
plan to do another device based on those sensors. But it is really the sensors that are connected to our app that will make it possible. So it's a tech, the technology really is the sensors in play here. It's, it's the te- between, between the sensors and the app that are really this, uh, the technological component. Yeah, uh, we do also, because our device includes, uh, the Homey device includes all those sensors. So uh, with the data that uh, are coming from those sensors, we can really um, take, take it and use our AI model to, to send recommendations and send personal recommendations. So this way they can have a program that is really adapted for each patient. I have to ask you the question. You, got, you all know in 2020, we walked to... We walked our way into a pandemic uh, where telemedicine has now become a huge component of uh, medical practice at this point. And, and obviously that is going to continue to evolve. And, and, and how does this fit in? And, you know, I'd like to say that, uh, you know, did you guys think of this before or was uh, or does the, was the thought evolving based on the, the telemedicine experience? Um when I was uh, just a physical uh, therapy uh, student, I didn't mean to, to be like all remote. I just saw that there was a huge of access um, and I was more like doing another gate trainer. Uh, but it's sure that uh, we thought about it uh, before when I was when I met my co-founder, Louis Saint-Pierre. Uh, we do have, he, he does have a vision of like, how is the telemedicine going? And uh, we really talked about it. And this is exactly where we want to go. It's like to still be innovative. It, it is one of our core values is to always be innovative and to be upfront into those uh, technologies. And they've always said entrepreneurs is the right place at the right time. So, you know, the evolution of where you've gone with the product and, and, and applicable to telemedicine, I think there's a huge future here. And that's why I think, Dan, your question about is this adaptable to other parts of the body here is, is massive. I mean, we all know the difficulty that we have getting, uh, getting space uh, for physical therapy, being on site. Uh, and a whole bunch of things. So this is, I find this fascinating and I find the ability and the, the opportunities here are, are, are massive. Um, the one question, I guess, you know, that, that, that goes without saying, but we will talk about it anyways, is dollars, right? I mean, ultimately, at the end of the day, there's a technology play here. There's dollars that are involved. Uh, as much as you'd like to say you guys you know, knew what you were doing, at some point, you need some money behind the exercise. What have you guys done for, for financing, for seed capital? Like, how do, you, how do you see the enrollment here, or sorry, the rollout here of, of the product and uh, the use of funds? Yeah, so to develop our first uh, prototype, we used uh, lots of uh, non-funding and uh, non-dilative fundings. So we want some grants and subsidies uh, with our different uh, research institutes. Uh, so it helped develop our first prototype, and then we tested it uh, on a, a subject uh, last November at the rehabilitation center Marie Enfant. And just with that, it, it gave us lots of traction. And now we were uh, few uh, people invested in, in us uh, and then we can really uh, be able to scale a little bit more with with this financing so uh, we are able to to hire full-time people that works on the development of our technology uh, so this way we can really uh, do the clinical trials in uh, two months we will we plan to begin in, in two months so this way uh, we can have all the homologation process to to begin to sell in 2023 if everything is going well. 
you mentioned the awards and some of the you know the prizes that you won along the way. Maybe talk about a few of those and, and from what uh, what sources and, and and how that how that helps lend credibility to the work that you're doing. Uh, from the sources that I have, like the the grants. Yeah. Okay, so uh, we won. Um, we were with uh, the Technopole, the Transmed Tech Institute, uh, with the researcher Laurent Balaz. So he's a, a really he has an expertise into the biomechanic of of the walking of the gait, uh, and uh, we use his lab to really saw uh, if there was any um, relevancy into uh, using our technology. So we really compared uh, the, the the normal walker with our own device, and we really had uh, the the opportunity to really uh, see. Um, and validate what we wanted. Um, and we can really see uh, just uh, with the pictures that the gate train, uh, the gate, all the gate training process is really improved with our device. It, it, it's difficult because at the beginning, right, you, you, you need money, you, you look anywhere. But, uh, you know, sometimes when you look back on it, uh, the credibility of the people that you partner with go a long way in helping get off their ground. And, you know, what what advice would you give somebody who's looking who says, hey, somebody just wants to throw money at me? Do, 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 do you just take it or do you be a little more uh, uh, discerning? Uh, yeah, so there's a lot of subsidies. Uh, if someone if someone has a great idea and it's based on new technology, I would really suggest to to do a maybe a partnership with a with a researcher or a research institution because they will be able to validate if the technology is working and this is what helped us a lot is because our technology was validated uh, by someone into this into her field uh, so it is something that I really suggest and I'm really uh, happy that uh, we we won some of, of those grants because it helped for the testing uh, of our device so where do you go from here so you're talking about 2023 uh, launching. Uh, what are the what are the steps you have between now and then that you have to to hit time wise and and obstacle wise? Yeah, so uh, I do clinical trials just because uh, we we were selling to physiotherapists first. Uh, just we plan to to sell our device into rehabilitation centers and to have a certain notoriety into. Uh, our device and to really show that it works. Uh, that's why we are doing clinical trials. Uh, we plan to do it uh, in partnership with some uh, institutions uh, such as uh, Le Chus Saint Justin. Um, so yeah, we plan also to maybe have a, a, a first uh, paper that could be released uh, soon uh, to also get more notoriety. And this way we can have all the homologation process for Health Canada. Uh, we are a class one uh, here just for the device, uh, but for the software, we'll, we will be a class two. Uh, so it's uh, other, um, it's it's a little bit uh, longer for the class two, uh, but we will be able to sell the first version uh, with a version with a class one of the software as well. It, it will just that it will send less recommendations at first, but eventually we want to go uh, with the full recommendations uh, as if the physio was there. So, um, and for that, um, it, we will be able to to still uh, sell or do a first sale in 2023. 
one of the things I guess, or, or the last question I have for you is when you look at this and you say, okay, you know, this is obviously, you're talking AI, you're talking sensors, you're talking technology, it's not necessarily going to re retail at a cheap price. I mean, one of the important aspects, I guess, will be to get your way onto the accepted list within the insurance companies for uh, our Medicare system and the private insurance. Is that, is, is that a process that is, is, is in your, shall we say, in, in the, uh, the front view of where you're going to go? Yeah, exactly. So our, our goal is to be fully reimbursable here in Quebec. Uh, in U.S., there's other reimbursement code that we are planning to, to take. Uh, but the first step would be to be reimbursed here because we still want to sell our device here first. Sarah Lambert, CEO of Aura Medical. Thanks so much. We're just going to pause and we'll have your one piece of advice for today's entrepreneur in a few moments. But first, we turn our attention to the HR space. And Mike, earlier in the program, we were talking about sort of the, the, the tension about going back to the office, the paradigm shift that needs to happen, and the fact that people are going to slowly get back to some semblance of normal. That also impacts the HR side, that impacts hiring. Are we going to continue seeing the sort of flurry of mass resignations that we've been seeing over the last couple of years, or are things calming down? Alita Eid is a senior manager with PVizio by FL. Uh, Alita, welcome back to CGID. Thank you. And Mike, and then, um, so is, is it getting better? Is it Are things calming down? I guess better is a relative term at the end of the day. I mean, uh, it's all a question of, of how you see. I think what's, what's getting better is people's perception of the situation and how they're managing the situation. And, you know, part of Part of that evolution is not to panic, uh, you know, and, and part of it is to make make the effort for the right employees. So, you know, the great resignation has become the 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 target of much documentation and uh, across the way. And you know, Alita, from your perspective, I mean, I, I'm sure you've seen the evolution of this, but maybe just give our listeners a you know a little bit of your insight into what this massive movement and the, the, the societal component has been so far with the great resignation. Uh, yes. Yeah, so from an employee perspective, we noticed that uh, people are leaving their workplaces mainly because of non-compatible cultures or even toxic ones, for example. Um, also lack of challenge, which has a direct impact on their overall sense of development, growth, accomplishment, um, and their mental health and well-being in general. So some or a lot of people were considering a job change for a while and needed a push. And that trend did not happen immediately after the outbreak of the pandemic because the pandemic created a sense of uncertainty and insecurity at the beginning about people's employment and lifestyles. But as a, so the trend became more apparent as, as time went by and there was more room for us to self-reflect and have more clarity on what we want and don't want. Um, some are even calling it a great reevaluation of who we are and what we want in life. So um, people realized that the pandemic was, was here to stay for a while and they were no longer able to tolerate or perform in their current work environment and move to places that fit their values and their new reality and that offered them the lifestyle that they were looking for. Yeah, it, it's very interesting. And we've talked about this on the program before, Dan and Alita, the, this whole discussion of, you know, burnout. And, you know, we raised the issue on some one article of the burnout is not necessarily how much work you do, but rather the purpose with which you do. And, and Alita, I think you're really speaking to that in this and, and, and that, you know, the people are shifting jobs and you know, they're not 
quitting to stay home. In many cases, they're quitting to try something new that to reevaluate their purposes. So as an employer, and I look at this and I go, so how do I retain my team? How, how do I find this whole discussion of purpose and, and, and find a way to balance that with our employees? So I think employers should continuously work on improving their methods and not just do it in response or as a react as a reaction to departures, we do gather a lot of good information when, when people leave. But in general, I think the, the, the few areas that I think organizations should focus on would be it's important for them and their leadership teams to continuously them to self-reflect, introspect, and assess their overall practices and identity if they want to remain um, the, the best version of them, themselves and create the best work environment that they can offer and build sustainability. So for companies, I would say, ask, you know, ask yourself the question because the message and the example do come from the top. So what is your message and what are your principles? Um, another key element is to review the experience offered to new and existing team members. So when was the last time you, that you reviewed your practices, your hiring practices, your professional development and mentoring programs, communication pro practices, and, and et cetera? And also when you think about the environment that you provide for your team, are you happy with what you provide? Does it represent what you want to be as an organization? And are you making space for people to feel connected, heard, and engaged? I think it all comes back to the concept and foundation of a relationship, making sure that it remains healthy for both parties and that both are mutually engaged and committed. So, Alita, it's, you know, obviously the, the discussion of purpose and, and, and you know, the, the trying to create this relationship. But, you know, th there's always a lot more to the equation than that. And as much mm -hmm. as we like to say that if we all found purpose at the end of the day, everything would be rosy and wonderful. We know that's not the case. There's got to be other challenges on the radar right now for employees that they have to address and deal with in order to retain the right employees. Uh, yes, absolutely. I think uh, what we're um, what we're dealing with right now is the general state of mind that most employees, managers, and overall like population is experiencing, the feeling of being tired and disengaged. This is where our role as all of us is to work together to reimagine and redefine our workplace and find our sense of happiness working together again in whatever environment that we choose to work in. So for us, I think um, our commitment has to be to encourage and motivate each other in the practices that we decide to put forward. Uh, we have to perfect and adjust essential skills because they, they keep moving and changing. So we have to move with them. So um, important skills right now are the, you know, influencing, being able to influence each other in a positive way. Uh, change management, it's no longer just for HR or some teams in the organizations to perfect uh, that skill, but really everyone has to become a good change manager. Um, and that helps on the personal and professional side of things. Uh, our communication skills, um, the needs and the trends are also changing nonstop. So how can we perfect and keep our skills up to date? And management skills, since we're operating in different environments, not the traditional um, one that we've all, always known. So I think lastly, I would just say to, we should all come together and realize and become okay with the fact that um, uh, there is a new reality to the workplace and to what managing means and try to move away from 
what we've done in the past and especially not refer to, well, two years ago, we used to, that's, it's gone. Let's think about today. Alita Eid, HR manager with Pivisio by FL Montreal. Thanks so much, Alita. Great advice. And as we wind down, let's turn to our guest, Sarah Lambert, CEO and co-founder of Aura Medical and ask her, Sarah, for your one piece of advice for today's entrepreneur, please. Yeah, so my advice would be to really talk the, uh, the more, to the more people as possible about uh, your idea and to really find a key opinion leader into your field to really uh, validate if your solution or if your idea is actually a good idea uh, and to really not be afraid to take those people and those key opinion leaders because they will give you lots of traction and those people can really help you uh, with, uh, with the, the new aspect of your device. And Mike, another example of, uh, you know, um, uh, one of these Centec companies, again, you know, uh, really being incubated, followed along by a lot of parties and uh, researchers. It's sort of like a public-private partnership to bring companies like Aura along, and it's really encouraging to see. Yeah, it's, you know, again, it's fascinating to see the, the the young entrepreneurial side coming out, you know, in, in, in the Quebec marketplace. And and as we continue to move forward in a, you know, hopefully a post-COVIDian world, or at least learning to balance and, and work with it, that the amount of energy and enthusiasm and opportunities that have uh, sprouted within the uh, the Quebec and, and particularly the Montreal marketplace is, is fascinating. It's, uh, it's, it's a great time from that perspective. And the competence of entrepreneurs that, that Marjorie is bringing us and that some of these startups are, uh, are have really in Montreal is really, really phenomenal. So Sarah, congratulations. Great product. Thanks for joining us. Thank you really much. Thanks for your time. <laughs> and don't forget that you can listen to over 13 years worth of these programs at todaysentrepreneur.org. You can subscribe to Today's Entrepreneur as a podcast on iHeartRadio, iTunes, or your favorite platform. We'll be back here next week. See you then. Good talk.